0: In Your Money today, Carolyn Wright takes a dive into what we can expect in 2024 for the world of fintech and Web3. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. I'm joined now by Amy Zhang, who's Vice President of Sales at Digital Asset Infrastructure Provider, Fireblocks. And we're going to dive into the outlook for the fintech and Web3 sector into 2024. Thanks for joining me, Amy. Thanks for having me. So, over 2023, we've seen a lot of interest from financial institutions towards getting on board with tokenization of traditional financial assets. Mm-hmm. How do you see those developing over the, the next year? Absolutely, so I think the really interesting aspect
1: as we've seen tokenization is not a new topic, right? But I think in the recent few months, we've seen this emergence of a new term which is real-world asset tokenization, RWAs for short. And really what that means is looking at asset classes that were previously not just becoming securitized and tokenization virgin securities, but also net new assets that could be digitized. For example, we're talking about uh, you know different uh, and, uh, collectibles, digital collectibles is a new item that people are looking at part of the RWA theme beyond just talking at securities, people look at carbon credits and obviously the one really exciting part that a lot of people put resources in is tokenization of money, right? So we think about all the CBDC projects that have really been uh, launched in the last 2023 year, now going forward in 2024. Hong Kong especially now with the HKMA supporting a CBDC project that they're looking at different use cases for. I think these type of themes are going to be what we see into 2024 and you know, seeing those projects into uh, more of an adoption and more in production level.
0: Now what are we seeing in terms of investor uh-huh. appetite for these kind of products? What what do they want? So I think when people initially thought if I
1: tokenize something the investors automatically want it. I think that theme is completely gone now. People recognize, especially in an environment like Currently where you know, rates are high and there's a lot of really good traditional financial instruments that you could get access to, I think investors now not just want something to be tokenized, they want it to get better result, better yield, better uh, product to get access to the traditional version, right? So I think that's point one. Point two, if you think about what the investors also want, I would say investor probably also want access into asset classes that they previously wouldn't get access to. For example, so carbon credit is a good example where it's been been around for the last 20 years, right? But trading carbon credit is really difficult in terms of settlement, it's usually done OTC, there's no centralized venues, we can trade this easily and it's really difficult to track and verify um, what's how good is the carbon credit if they're going to be emitted right so for example tokenization of that carbon credit as a product we can get a lot of interest from an investors perspective because a is new b is digital and folks are looking at this as a way for them to experiment the infrastructure as a whole and then later on they can look at other asset classes they can tokenize on top
0: and is it also helping open up these products to a wider audience, say for those that had a, a quite high bar initially in terms of the amount people would have to invest? Absolutely. So I think when a lot of the instrument
1: that you looked at before, obviously you have to be professional investors to, to clear, so it's not a lot of these instruments are not for retail, but even in that space, a difference between an a, a asset allocation that could be, you know, 250K is Fractionalized compared to previously, you have to put a ticket size of 10 million, 20 million, and so on and so forth. Right, so absolutely, that's definitely the case. Another thing I would say is people are gamifying these experiences, and it's attracting new investors. So we recently launched uh, a project with Flipkart, which is a you know e-commerce company in, in India. Right, um, they had a campaign using NFTs, and actually the end users end up receiving these NFTs and actually bought more items on their platforms down the road. So this gamification also is adding uh, the investors' to appetite as well
0: okay, so that's something quite interesting there that that's also a bit of a move from the web web two into web three technology. So what are the most exciting things you're seeing happening there? That seems like a almost like a customer loyalty aspect going on As- absolutely
1: so on the technology front, I think the emergence of non custodial wallets is becoming a huge emphasis because corporates are now are looking at ways to build out a really unique Web3 experience. The end users want to interact with their applications in a Web3 way, so they're looking at ways to use non custodial wallets as well as custodial wallets to deliver those experiences. On the corporate front, absolutely, the loyalty. Theme is definitely been ongoing, and we're seeing that being put into action today. Right, companies actually rolling out different loyalty program with success. You've seen Starbucks done it. We've seen other companies that have done these type of initiatives with huge success, and people are picking this up. And also, I would add, if you look at the corporate front, the telcos, right, are getting very involved in this space because they recognize that we're moving to a Web three world, having a unique experience on the wallet side will differentiate them and they already provide all the Web2 technology already, so why not convert those into Web3?
0: Now, do you think the key to success for, for Web3 is actually people not realising that they are making that transition, that they, they, they just use a tool and it's, and it's beneficial for them? Absolutely, so the constant thing that we realise when it comes to Web3 transition is
1: seamless user experience, right? The end user doesn't, re- well, some use cases they care, Right? whether they want to have sovereignty of their assets, maybe they do care to hold their own wallets and so on and so forth, but majority of the user just want the benefit. They want to interact with it in a Web3 way, they want to see the benefits of it, and more importantly, they don't want to deal with the headaches of you know of managing private keys and so on and so forth. So absolutely, they, they I think from a mass adoption perspective, making that experience super seamless and giving that benefit to the end user is, is where we're seeing the development happening now.
0: Alright, now let's move on to regulation. This has been a key topic throughout this year, I think. Lots of people wondering where we're going, whether regulators are moving fast enough or if they're not. What are you seeing in terms of what regulators are doing and how that is working in tandem with growth of the industry and helping spur innovation? I would say. The big
1: change between last few years to this year is regulators now are really focused on uh, infrastructure providers, right? So they're looking at the exchanges, like the the trading firms, the brokerages, these access points because they are offering regulated activity and less focused on specific tokens. Now, I think the earlier stage regulators really going after who has raised, who launched and you've seen all this stuff going in the U.S., but now I think in Asia specifically, Hong Kong, Singapore, Australia are all looking at ways to govern the access because they recognize that although the assets are distributed, but the operators themselves are not. And a lot of the challenges we've seen in the last year have taught us that actually centralised entity that are operating these businesses are probably where the risk factors are, so regulators really honing in on that and giving them guidance and setting really high bars for them to clear so that the end user, investors, access consumers, so on and so forth, could be
0: protected as well. So it sounds like you're pretty optimistic about the regulators getting things right and moving fast enough. Well, I think the key thing around
1: regulation and the speed of which, regulators don't have to move fast. See, this is a really important thing. They do not have to move fast. They, they have to move right in the right way. And what regulators can do, and we've seen this happening, especially in Hong Kong, is they're interacting with the industry, right? They're seeking a lot of feedback. They're learning from the industry. They're learning from the mistakes that other people have made, and other regulators have identified and learning from each other. And that ongoing process will take a really long time. And then zooming out a little bit, sometimes when you are in the world of web Three, you think that things are moving, not moving fast enough. But let's not forget the Bitcoin white paper came out 15 years ago, right? So in the horizon time span combined compared to the financial markets, it's, you know, quite small time, right? So I think if you look at that perspective, yeah, the regular definitely is moving. But, you know, from our perspective in Asia compared to maybe Europe and U.S., I do think there's a lot of clarity already across all the regulators regionally um, for the folks who want to operate in this space.
0: Brilliant to get your insights. Thank you so much for giving me your outlook for 2024. That's Amy Jiang, who's Vice President of Sales at Digital Asset Infrastructure Provider, Fireblocks. Thank you.